Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this five-part podcast series, I'm joined by Don Stern. Don is the Managing Director of Corporate Monitoring and Consulting Services at Affiliated Monitors. Don is a well-known white-collar corporate defense lawyer. He was previously the United States Attorney for the District of Massachusetts, has been a lecturer at Harvard, and has worked at several law firms before coming over to Affiliated Monitors. In this five-part podcast series, we consider the benefits of independent monitoring and proactive assessments for defense attorneys. In episode one, we take a look at how defense attorneys can proactively work with independent monitors. Two, what are the nuts and bolts? How does this thing work? Three, couple of case studies of defense counsel who've engaged a monitor to mitigate internal issues before going to a regulator. Number four, how this works in a medical setting. And in episode five, we conclude by how this works in the nonprofit setting, specifically looking at some issues around varsity blues. It's a fascinating series that I know you will enjoy as a compliance specialist. This special five-part series is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Don Stern, Managing Director of Corporate Monitoring and Consulting Services at Affiliated Monitors. We're in our five-part exploration of the benefits of independent monitoring and proactive assessments for defense attorneys. And today, we're going to take up a couple of case studies that Don is familiar with. So first of all, Don, welcome back. Thanks very much, Tom. Don, case studies are, are something that not only lawyers always appreciate, and I say that with my lawyer hat on, but also I think a lot of compliance practitioners really draw uh, lessons learned and really inspiration from companies who have gone through a same or similar uh, circumstance and have come out on the other side. But the steps that someone like yourself has taken as a proactive monitor, and I was wondering if you might, of course, without revealing any confidential information, detail uh, a couple of uh of uh, case studies about how you or your team came in and really helped a, a defense attorney work through the issues involved. Well, one, one example that comes to mind, and this is now probably a year or two old, but it's, it's it's fresh enough in my mind so that it's it's useful to talk about as a case study. We were brought in um, while a company was being investigated by the Department of Justice and EPA in a, in a, in a kind of an oil spill situation and and the company was being investigated because some of its employees had um falsified inspection records um and you know if 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 you're a regulator uh or a prosecutor who practices in this area 
the falsification of inspection records is, is really a, a very bad thing because, you know, the government depends upon voluntary compliance in so many areas. So when they see something like that, it, it's a huge red flag. Um, and so as the, as the, the, the lawyers were dealing with the specific, um, we were brought in to kind of more generally assess the compliance program of the company, uh, not just in this specific geographical area where this happened, uh, but more generally. And the goal was uh, in part to uh, identify the problems, fix the problems, but also be in a position to go to the government and say, um, this was a, an isolated problem, um, but you know, we, we, uh, we fixed it. Uh, and we took a broader look more responsibly at the company. And that's what happened. And that's, we spent a lot of time talking to employees, not so much, you know, the employees who were involved in the problem, but more generally in, in terms of the culture of the company, the ethics of the, of the company, the educational program, what kind of whistleblower program they had, how these things were internally investigated. We ended up going with the, and so the company and the lawyers said to us, we're going to be meeting with the uh, disbarment officials at the EPA, we want you to come with us. And we want you to tell them what you found. So uh, we, we, we go to Washington and we, we sit in a meeting with, with the uh, various officials at the EPA. And we patted the company on the back and said, here are some things that the company has done. But we were very critical in one or two areas. And I remember... We, we were, the look on the face of, of one of the company lawyers who were there, like sort of, how could you do this to us sort of look. And when we left the meeting, the outside lawyer said, that was the best thing that you could have done. And, and the company said, what do you mean? He said, because it gave credibility to our, what we've been saying to the, to the government, which is, you know, we take very seriously compliance uh, we want some independent third party to come in, no hold bars, and tell us how we can fix it and make it better. And that's what these guys did. And sure enough, it made a difference. Now, did that mean that the company didn't have a, a, a penalty to pay? Of course they did. But did it end up with a resolution, which, at least in the outside lawyer's view, the, um, representing the company, was far better than they would have obtained? Uh, the short answer is yes, it did. It helped them. You know, I really want to hone in on that final point, Don, because you previously alluded to uh, the importance of a truly independent coming in for employee morale. But now I want to flip it to the last point that you just raised, which is, once again, having a truly third-party independent come in, but giving credibility in front of the regulators, whether that be uh, EPA, whether it be the Department of Justice, whether it be a state regulator uh, or, or other why do you think, and, and once again, drawing from your experience as a U.S. prosecutor, as a white-collar defense lawyer, why is that third-party independent aspect so important? Well, I think the government is going to, if it's truly independent and if it's, a, if it's a group of people in a company that has a track record for doing this, I think it do, does lend some support, again, not only that the company has the right instinct and right motivations and right goals, uh, but intends in to fix the problem. I mean, the government does care whether this is a rogue company or whether it's a rogue problem. And they don't expect you to assess, you know, if you're a large company, they don't expect you to assess every conceivable 
possibility to turn over every possible rock to interview every employee that might be involved. They want you to ha- take a more risk-based, focused view on on where you see the problems. And they know from experience these days that the best way to do that is not by looking to people internally whose livelihood depends upon getting a paycheck every other week or every month from the company, but to people who are outside the company and who are um, have some measure of independence. Now, having said that, they're not going to necessarily um, you know, just take somebody like my word for it. They want to know what you did, who you talked to, what metrics you use to reach your conclusions. And so they're going to appear under the, they're going to take a peek under the hood of what we do too, but they're going to do so with a, a, a measure of, I think, uh, respect and, and uh, deference that they might not afford to somebody internally within the company. Don, uh, one of my other observations is um, I've always practiced on the civil side of things. So a uh, civil trial lawyer, in-house lawyer, uh, and a corporation, and of course, in private practice, once again, civil civil side focused. Uh, but you've sat on the other side. You've been a prosecutor. And one of my uh, thoughts has always been that you need to have at least that sort of, uh, if not mentality, that exposure to how prosecutors might think through an issue. Uh, uh, would that be a fair assessment? I think it helps. I don't know that it's indispensable, but I, but I think it helps. And I've, and I've seen it evolve. I have to say, when I was a federal prosecutor, we, we talked about compliance. We, we, I think we talked a good game, but frankly, I knew very little when I was in that role about how companies actually did compliance and what made a, a good compliance program versus a paper compliance program. But I think that's that's shifted. I think that's really dramatically shifted as whether it's in the FCPA area or in the healthcare fraud area, the government, and I mean government at all levels, not just the federal government, uh, but, but um, state government and now increasingly local government are really asking that question you know, what makes a good compliance program and what assurances do we have that if we um, give you a break uh, in this case, that you're actually going to end up at the end, you know, after all of this is, is said and done, that you're going to be a good corporate citizen. Uh, and they've seen that particularly with repeat offenders, because, you know, if we enter into a deferred prosecution agreement with, let's say, a company, um, how do we know? that it's going to make a difference. Um, and I've seen, I, I have to say, I've been on, having been on both sides, I think it, it's working that companies are taking compliance programs much, much more seriously, not just in hiring a lot of people to do it, but to sort of uh, drilling down and trying to make a determination, I think with the benefit of third-party independent assessments, that the culture of the company is on the right road. Uh, you know, you're not, you're never going to cure or prevent all problems. I mean, if you're a major company, um, it's going to happen. You know, you're going to pick up the New York Times one of these days and you're going to find that there's a problem. The, the question is, what have you done in advance of that problem to reduce the risk? And how do you respond once the problem arises? I think those are the key questions. Don, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, uh, but I hope you'll join Don and I for our next episode where we explore how this works in a healthcare and medical setting. Don, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Great. Thanks, Tom. 
Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my visit with Don Stearns on the benefits of independent monitoring and proactive assess- assessments for defense attorneys. If you'd like more information on affiliated monitors, please check out their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. This five-part podcast series is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thank you again, and I hope you'll join us for another episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.